On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and today on the show... I have a new friend of mine, Kate Warman, and Kate's a dating coach, and she takes a holistic approach to dating, and I want to tell you all about it. But first, I want to say, have you been loving and watching The Jamie Ivey Show? It's hosted over on YouTube. It's easy to find. You just go to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. This has been so fun launching this, and it's been a dream of mine for years and years and years, and it's coming true, and it's so fun. Our very first episode was more like Kea Kennison, which was great. We've had Scott Erickson and Isabel Garza. And now we have my friend Kat Armstrong coming up. Great conversations that I think you're going to enjoy. Now, here's my vision for the show. My vision is like, it's a talk show. If you're my age, you remember coming home and watching Oprah Winfrey or Phil Donahue or Geraldo Rivera. Like remember Sally, Jesse, Raphael, all these shows we used to love. And we would sit in front of our TV, get a snack. And there it is. That's what this is. Find a time in your week for 30 minutes to sit and enjoy a show. My hope is that each of these conversations will be encouraging, they will be uplifting, and it will just be downright fun at times. We tackle important, heavy subjects, and we also tackle light, fun subjects as well. So check it out, youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. Okay, the show is a really good show today. We talk about some of the differences between dating from a Christian worldview and versus a secular worldview. Kate recently released a book called Thank you for rejecting me, which is about transforming pain into purpose. If you're interested in that, you can find it anywhere you get books. Today in the show, we talk about things like purity culture and ways that the church can improve this conversation. I told you, we also talk about differences from a Christian worldview versus a secular worldview in dating. You're going to love it when she talks about her exercise for helping women write out what they bring to the table in their relationships. I want to let you know, although she's a dating coach and she's a single woman, and we talk a lot about dating, there's something in this conversation for you, even if you are past that stage. I am 20 years married, and I still enjoyed so much about our conversation today. So here is my conversation with Kate Warman. Kate, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie. So excited to be here. (laughs) It would only be more fun if we were having an actual happy hour on the beach. Am I right? Girl, as I was just saying, that is all I want. On Friday, I was on Instagram just telling my people like, y'all, I mean, I can do this whole COVID thing, but all I want right now is a happier on the beach. Can we just have that, Lord, please? (laughs) Okay, so every state, every community is different with COVID. And like, right now, I can go on a date with my husband. (laughs) Yeah, You can't go to restaurants, can you? No, No, we can't do like anything, girl. Can you do takeout? Yes, we have takeout. 
And we have, thankfully, because I'm in SoCal, we have hikes, we have the beach, we have beautiful weather all the time. So we have that going for us, you know? (laughs) But all I want is a restaurant. I never thought I'd miss restaurants this much, like actually sitting at a restaurant. It is funny, the things that you miss. I mean, early in COVID, everything was shut down here as well. And you just think, I remember thinking if I would have known that would have been my last whatever, I would have definitely gone someplace else other than that. But that's, you know, you can't change it. Introduce yourself to my people. You have your own podcast, which is so exciting and fun. And so tell everyone what you do. So I'm Kate. I live in SoCal. I am a dating coach. I run a podcast called The Heart of Dating, and it helps men and women in their singleness and dating lives as Christians, because the reality is Christian dating is super weird and awkward sometimes, and dating's not in the Bible. So what are we doing out here? Um, So I hope to have conversations that spark wisdom and excitement and encouragement and also bring fun to this process that can feel really weird and really stale sometimes. On top of that, I'm a single woman. So it's exciting because I'm doing this alongside everyone else. Right, right. That is so fun. Do you know Kat Harris? Yes, she's one of my best friends, girl. Yes. Okay. She's been on the show too, talking about dating. She has a new book coming out in a couple of months. And so I just love what you guys are doing. Okay, what is a dating coach? That's like a real thing. Like I could hire you. Well, I don't need one because I have my man. But yes. what is a dating coach? I know. So everyone, when I say that, they're like, so you're like the female version of Will Smith from Hitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm like, right. I'm like, okay, not exactly. I really take it as a more holistic approach to helping be a coach alongside of people to coach them through relationships in their life. So when we do coaching, it's not just dating and like, let me get you a date, even though we'd love to help you put yourself out there. But we also talk about your relationship with God, how Mm -hmm. you see God, what is God like, how do you want to grow in that relationship? And then also your relationship with yourself. So both of those two things impact greatly how you're showing up in your dating life. You know, so a lot of what we do is like, vision forward. So people ask, what's the difference between coaching and therapy? And coaching is more vision forward. So it's like, what are we going to do to get you to your goals this year? And so if some people's goals are like, I just want to go on a date. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kate, just one Mm -hmm. date, you know, and some people are like, I want to get married like now. (laughs) So we have a spectrum of things we work through. (laughs) I love this because what a need that there is. And you're stepping in and saying, how can I? Now, I know that you are a Christian. Do you approach this dating and healthy advice from a Christian standpoint? Yes, totally. A hundred percent. Okay. So tell me, what are some of the differences that you found between if you were not to approach this from a gospel worldview versus a different world, what would the differences be? Okay. So I think there's pros and cons. Okay. So I'm going to give both. The pro to, I will just start with the pro of the secular world, actually. So I think one pro of the secular world is that they are more active in their dating lives and they're more open to just asking people out and taking some of the pressure off of a first date. I think as Christians, we're like, a first date, I need to pray about it. I need to know if they're my spouse. Like, oh my gosh. And it's, there's so much pressure on just one interaction with the person, you know? Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it flattens the process a bit when we do that, when we put so much pressure on the first date. 
On the other side, a con of the secular world and how they function in dating is there can be a lack of commitment. And we all know about the hookup culture. And Mm -hmm. so dating can be like this process of just numbers. And, you know, as soon as it gets hard, I'm going to throw that away and go on to the next. And it can be messy. So I wouldn't say that we don't have that in the Christian world. So that's something that still is happening. (laughs) Actually, I talk about that in the book I wrote, but we have at least a little bit more intentionality as Christians and how we approach the dating scene for hopefully to be honoring and intentional with that person's heart. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So your new book, it's called Thank You for Rejecting Me. Now I want to ask you, you're a dating coach and this is your audience. This is where you lean. But when I was thinking about this and I was thinking about talking to you today, I was like, man, I would imagine that this concept of, you know, seeing our rejection through a new lens, this doesn't just to apply to dating. Exactly. Yeah, girl. Okay. So I want everyone that's listening to, you know, if I have people that are listening and they're like, okay, I'm married. I'm not dating right now. Yeah. You know, you might be rejected by your husband if he's having a bad mood, but you know what I mean? You're not going to be like yeah. rejected, rejected. But still, we can take these concepts that you're talking about and transfer them into our own lives. Yeah. And so this whole idea of thank you for rejecting me, that feels kind of not how we would normally approach rejection. So tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. So I don't think that you say thank you for rejecting me in the immediate wake of a rejection. Like, you know, I mean, unless you're like trying to compartmentalize, you're like, right. Thank you for rejecting me. You know, (laughs) like it's usually not your initial reaction, but I thought the I love thank you for rejecting me because I find it to be a little playful, a little sassy. And also underneath behind the scenes is like this empowerment. Like, okay, how do I get to the point where I can say, and think, thank you for rejecting me, you know? And really the journey of the book is my personal stories. And to your point, Jamie, lots of different kinds of rejections, not just dating rejections we talk about in the book, but it's really a journey between if you dive into the healing and to the process of that rejection, whatever it may be through time, you will see the purpose through that pain that God is redirecting you and that he is bringing beauty from ashes. Now I want to say that and not sound cliche, you know, because I really believe there's so much hard stuff you have to deal with through that process. Mm -hmm. But that's really it. One day through time, through pressing in, even in all the muck and all the hardness, there will be beauty brought in its Mm -hmm. time. Not exactly your time, not exactly like when you want it to happen or how or getting all the answers. But through time, you will see and look back, wow, I'm grateful for that rejection because Mm -hmm. insert whatever the thing is, insert, I grew more in who I was and understanding myself. I learned more about God. In that rejection, I gained a passion for this thing that I never would have had otherwise, you know? So through time, I think that if we really dive into it, we can get to a beautiful place where we're like, wow, I'm grateful for that rejection. Mm. So it almost is like you're asking readers to either think through past rejection or even build a foundation for future rejection to know that there's something that's good going to come out of this. How Mm. do you as a single girl This feels like the weirdest question in the world, but I'm going to ask it. How (laughs) do do you prepare your heart for rejection? Yeah. Well, first of all is that, you know, rejection is always going to happen. And that's, I think I say that in the intro of the book, like, it happens to us all. And yet there's a, a lot of, if most of us, I did a poll recently on Instagram, like, do you fear rejection? Just straight up. <laughs> do you, yes. Everyone said yes. Like, yeah. Pretty much 90 something percent are like, yes. And I'm like, who are those small 5% of their liars? Who are those hundreds of people? I'm like, y'all are not telling me the truth right here. <laughs> like, yeah. And so how do we, you know, grow to that place? I think it's through experiencing it a lot and experiencing the weight of it and realizing 
wow, this has come to define me in ways that I don't want it to define me. Mm -hmm. And we have to arrive at a place to say, you know, the way I'm showing up is fearful. The way I'm showing up is not putting myself out there for future opportunities because I'm so afraid of it happening again. And so you realize, or maybe the way you're showing up is just in mindsets that think terribly about yourself because you're either self-rejecting or you're believing lies from other rejections that tell you, I'm never going to have stable love. I'm never going to be liked. I'm never going to be desired, whatever that is. And so you have to come to a point of saying, I don't want to live like that anymore. And within my book, that's where I talk a lot about, hey, we got to get to that breaking point and realize like you have more power than you probably believe. We a lot of times just sit in like, oh my gosh, this rejection happened to me. I don't know what to do. But we have the power to heal from that and take a partner with God to walk through that process. Not easy. I'm not going to yeah. like. Yeah. You know, but there is a way if you are feeling so stuck in it, like I have been for so much of my life, especially, you know, as a dating coach, that's my story. <laughs> you don't become a dating coach without a lot of dating situations. Yeah. I know, you know, there's people listening and they're like, okay, really cool, Kate, but you don't know the ways I've been rejected. Like I've yeah. been hurt in ways that I don't even feel comfortable talking with people. And you go there in your book and you talk about some hard subjects. Mm -hmm. Why did you feel it was important to talk about the really, really, really difficult hurt and how you believe that that can still be used. Well, why did you feel that was important to put in there? I think rejection either happens in small little T traumas, like little things that build up over time and they create lies and shame that sit over us like a blanket, or they can also happen with like big T trauma moments, like those big moments in our life of abandonment. Somebody left us, maybe it was a friend or a family member, or it was a significant other, or maybe it was being abused. And that is a big part of my story story. And that left me feeling so rejected by that person, but also left me to reject myself. And so those big T trauma rejection moments, I included them because it was just part of my testimony. Yeah. It really is those things that I've had to press in, process and deal through, Jamie, is what I think has led me to stand here today. But I want mm -hmm. to also say quickly to anybody who has been through a really terrible abandonment or abuse or even sexual abuse, you know, we're not thanking those people, right? right. <laughs> That's one clarity I just want to put out there. I'm not sitting here like, thank you for doing mm -hmm. that to me or yeah. for putting me through that. It's definitely not about that. And do not reach out to that person and say that. Just mm -hmm. case, side note. Yeah. But, you know, I can really look back and see, wow, I, in ways I think I needed to go through the journey of that healing process because there was so much in my heart that needed to be cracked open and exposed and given to God in such a way. And it took me years, even off of dating, taking time off of dating, going into deep healing and healing those areas in which not only I was rejected by others, such as through abuse or through abandonment, but then figuring out the ways that was translating to how I was thinking about myself, rejecting myself. And so that journey has, I would venture to say, Jamie, if I didn't go through those things, I really don't think I'd be sitting here today wow. sharing about this with you. Yeah. I remember last January of 2020, Beth Moore was on the podcast and she said something I've never forgotten. She said, you know, you could sometimes hear people say like, oh, I would do it all over again to get where I am. Mm -hmm. And she's like, 
I would never want to go through that again. She's like, so I don't want to ever endure what I had to endure, but I can confidently say that I've seen God do good with it. And I think that's what I hear you saying is, no, like no one wants to endure abuse or abandonment or those big T traumas or little T traumas ever again. But it's stepping backwards, maybe even after maturity and healing and the Holy Spirit doing work. And we can look back and say, okay, God, you're going to do something good out of that. And that's what I hear you saying that he's done in your own personal life. And I would imagine you've seen stories of that in other women's lives as well. When you're coaching a woman and you're having to walk through some of these deeper issues, because, you know, you think about like dating coach, like, okay, help me get a date or whatever. But really, you're diving into some hard things. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you when you're walking with a woman and you see kind of this breakthrough and she steps into owning herself and realizing the power she has? What is that like for you? Oh, my gosh, girl. I think I could honestly come to tears just thinking about that, you know, because I think God has gifted me with just empathy and desire to walk alongside other women who have been through the deep pains. Mm. And when I see somebody able to tap into God's love, because here's the thing, I think we say a lot like, oh, I read the Bible verses and I know God loves me. I say that from a head point of view. Like I can say it, I know it, Mm -hmm. but my heart doesn't feel it. Like it's disconnected from my head to my heart. It's head knowledge, not heart knowledge. And so as I work with these women and men, but a lot of women, I see them just, you know, they can say it. They're like, they can quote the Bible verses. I'm like, that's great. (laughs) But do you believe that? Mm. Do you think that for yourself? Do you believe God is good to you? Do you believe that he is going to come through in your dating life? Do you believe you're worthy of love? Do you believe that you are desirable and beautiful? Do you know how God has uniquely created you? And they're like, no, I don't. So when we start working on that journey, first of all, I have so much empathy because I'm like, I get that. I so get that. And I would be lying to say that I still don't struggle with some of that too, even still being single and 31. And that is still my journey as well. And so But it's such a joy to be able to walk alongside women to say, okay, how can we trace back God's character? Let's look in the Bible. Let's see where he showed up for people and how much he loved them and showed them love. And then let's look back in your life. Like what moments, any moment, have you seen that God has come through for you? You know, like let's trace the character of God in your life. Mm. And then what I love doing, I'll just share this little fun thing that we do. You know, I love empowering women to like write out the things that you want in a person. Like it's good to have some standards and know what you're looking for. But my favorite exercise I think that we do in coaching is I have the women write a list of what they bring to a relationship. And I usually make it like 10 things. So I'm like, Mm. you're going to write down 10 things you bring to relationship. And sometimes they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be great because you need to walk into every situation, whether it's a job or a friendship or a dating relationship and stand firm on these, at least these 10 things. And then it's so fun because I'm like, if you have trouble doing this, go ask one of your best friends. Mm. You know, like your best friends are friends with you for a reason. It's like, they're not like forced to be your friend. So you bring something to their life. Like there's some sort of sparkle, joy, beauty that you give to them. And so have them reflect it back to you. Like, hey, why are you friends with me? Like, what is it that I bring? Kate, I love this so much. I remember (laughs) when I was younger, like you write down all your dream lists of like what you want in a husband. 
No one ever told me to write down what I bring to the table. And I love this. <laughs> yes, girl. I want Isn't everyone. Yes. yes. I want everyone to pause right now listening. Get a piece of paper and a pencil <laughs> and write out what do you bring to the table. And that is so good because it is saying, mm. hey, I actually have something that I bring. And I actually mm-hmm. have important things that I bring to a relationship. It also makes it, to me, it would feel more empowering entering into relationships, knowing that you're not this needy person that just needs them for their 10 things, but you also bring yes. the 10 things to the table as well. Yes, girl, exactly. And then we're not going into these relationships, whether friendships or dating relationships, seeking to fill some void in our hearts. Cause I'm like, I know what I have to bring and have to offer. So then if you see it and like, as we're stepping out, we're like, then if that person rejects me, I'm not as quick to make it about me, like a oh, personalized uh-huh. thing, you know, like the confidence in that. Now, of course there's time and there's space for ownership. And like, if you really wrong someone, but so much of the time we get rejected. And a lot of times it has nothing to even do with us at all. And we are taking it so personally. Oh, they rejected me because I'm not this. I'm not enough here. I'm too much, not enough. You know, that lingering lie of one of those two. And we go between them when oftentimes I'm like, what is the iceberg happening in their life? Like there's Mm -hmm. a whole thing under the surface and you don't know why they may have said no, (laughs) you know? For sure. You talk in your book about you break it up into like biggest life rejections. And some of those are self-rejections. What do you mean by that? Yes. So I start the book with two different chapters on self-rejections and self-rejection. I believe that we reject ourselves before others even have the chance to. And two of the biggest ways we do that, one, as women, oh my gosh, I don't care who you are listening to this, is it probably going to impact you or relate to you? We reject ourselves through body image. Mm. And I've heard it said that that is the biggest shame trigger for women, no matter who you are, is body image. And I wrote this stat in my book that 90% of women today are unsatisfied with their bodies, which is wild. Like, think about that, Jamie, right? 90% of women of all ages are unsatisfied with their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that affects how we're showing up. It affects how we're showing up in a room, the things we're saying to ourselves. It affects how we see ourselves, how we are putting ourselves out there. So if we believe those lies about ourselves already, what happens, especially in you know putting yourself out there, you're either A, going to find some courage to put yourself out there. But if it doesn't go exactly as planned, that now is like reinforcing every one of those lies. Now I'm like, well, because I am ugly. because I They all become bad. true to yes. you. Exactly. And then you're like, you don't want to step out again. You know, it's either that or we hide from it. We're like, I hide from any situation of putting myself out there at all (laughs) because I just don't even want to think that it might possibly be reinforced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's one of the self-rejections. And then the other one is just self-hatred. And when I say self-hatred, I think people are like, oh my gosh, it's like really deep. Like, I don't hate myself, Kate. Mm -hmm. But I think that maybe we're not swimming in the pool of self-hatred like every day, but I think we dip our toes in there. And some examples of how we do that is just how we shame ourselves internally. You say something, maybe you're a little bit louder or you mess up a little bit and you shame yourself instantly. You shouldn't have done that. You know better. Why'd you do that? And just this process that we berate ourselves internally and reject different parts of our heart and soul. And so those things, if we aren't getting those things right and just addressing those, like you said earlier, this relates to anybody, not even just somebody single. Right. (laughs) Like This is like any woman who's listening, It's like we dip our toes in these waters of body shame and insecurity and self-hatred so much. And it limits us from stepping out, I think, into God's call for our life and just so many beautiful experiences. That's good. 
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. You also talk about sexual shame yeah. and that there's kind of this 
gap between this evangelical world and purity culture, between what's taught and what's actually done. What do you mean by that? So there's a stat in the book from a great book called Divine Sex. And it says that 69% of evangelicals today are have said that, and this was a few years ago, that they've actually done something sexual with a person as a single person within the last year. So these are, you know, professing Christians. And so clearly that alone, that statistic is like, well, obviously we're being taught a lot about the purity culture through purity culture and purity narratives, but we're not showing up. Mm. We understand it, but we're not showing up in it. (laughs) We hear it. And so what happens is you usually have two ends of the binary here. And with what I've seen in purity culture, and that's so much of my story and I kissed dating goodbye and just a lot of that stuff, girl, how much affected me I read I kissed dating goodbye. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you get it. But I don't even think it was just that. I think it was just the overall wave that it created during that time. I don't even know how long it was for a period of time that really impacted now millennials for the most part. Well, you're 31. I'm 42. Yeah. And we both read that book. So you can see, I think I was on the early end when it first came out. And the funny thing is, when I started following Jesus, I mean, I grew up in the church and had a lot of head knowledge. And so when I first started following Jesus, I knew all the rules. And it also caused me to have a new like moral compass. And so I quit having sex. My very first book I read about being a Christian was I Kissed Dating Goodbye. So I felt like I was like, okay, I've gone from like, everything's good to like, oh, nothing. And so it was... It was hard oh. for my little new Christian mind, but oh, anyhow, girl. okay, go ahead. And, that is yeah. so hard. Dating in groups, the whole Shazam. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the binary that usually exists from some purity culture teachings, I want to caveat that like purity culture isn't all that bad, but it has caused a lot of shame and different narratives that just need to be exposed, I suppose, and yeah. healed from. And so two things usually happen. You either have people who abstain from sex and they're following this, but it is pretty legalistic and there's not a true rooted understanding of my sexual desire, my sexuality, why God created that so beautifully. And instead it's just like, okay, I was told not to do this. Okay. I'm not going to do this because if I do this, I'm going to be less than, or I'm going to be, you know, and just all those narratives. So have those people, but that still creates shame. It creates shame about my desire, my sexuality, how I'm showing up as a sexual being. And then, you know, then the whole thing is like, you're supposed to get married and suddenly turn on a light switch and everything's amazing and wild, but it doesn't really work that way. Mm -hmm. And so you hear about people who've gotten married and then it's when they go in with such a shutdown in their heart and their body and their system and shame towards a sexuality, it's very hard for them to break that and causes a lot of problems in marriage. Then on the other side of the spectrum, which is where I camped out is, you know, people who know the teachings, they've heard it, but they engaged in sexual activity. And because there was, everything was so strict and it was so focused on like, do not do this, you know, (laughs) they didn't feel a safe place to really share. Or if they did share, it would be, you know, like any sexual sin is like the sin of all sin. Like we're not even talking about gossiping or lying. We're just like sexual sin. Oh, oh my gosh. Like you need to repent and just all these things. We sit on this pedestal in ways. And so that was me. And part of my story is I was dating a guy. We did have sex young age and I felt so much shame, Jamie. And it just, I felt like I had to hide. Mm. I couldn't share it. And it led me into this narrative of like, I am bad and that the church probably will reject me if they knew and God may reject me if he really knew. I somehow thought I was keeping it from him, which is funny. Right. And it was just me and this guy. We were trying to work through it and it was a terrible process because we never really could uphold the boundary. We needed support. 
And so it's just continual shame spiraling and shame spiraling. Mm -hmm. And so you see it on both ends of the spectrum and both ends are just still shame and no place for there to be love and grace and compassion and a true understanding of our sexual Mm -hmm. desire and knowing that it's beautiful. Yeah. So what is that middle ground that you're trying to help people find? Because I do, I see both of those sides in the purity culture movement. And again, I'll say it again in case you didn't hear it. Like there are obviously some things that I don't think went well with that movement that happened in the 90s and early 2000s. But the heart behind all of that was, it was from a pure place, you know, it was wanting to help teenagers and young adults stay pure in their life, which is what God asks of us and wants for us. But we can all see those two sides. And I too, I was on your side as well. Where do we find that middle ground that we really do? We acknowledge our sexuality. We acknowledge that God created us as sexual beings. And we also acknowledge that God's best plan for us is sexual purity. And sexual purity is not just not have sex. Like, that's what I thought it was. And I was like, well, I already screwed that up. Might as well just keep going. Yeah. Purity is so much. It encompasses so much. And so tell me, how are you coaching people in 2021 about sexual purity? Man, so I think to get to the root of it, we have to do some deconstruction because there's a lot of shame and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. So we have to do is go through the layers, which is really hard to do. We have to deconstruct what shame has been separating us from what is our belief about our bodies, our sexual past or lack thereof. What is our belief of sexual desire? You know, analyze, that's the deconstructing and put it all the pieces on the floor like a puzzle. And then once we see it and we start healing through that, we have to find ways to have compassion for ourselves, compassion for my lack of sexual history, compassion for my sexual history and my sexual past. And that's really important in this process. And then once we can see it all, we start having compassion and healing then we can go through a process of reconstructing. And I think the reconstructing part is so important because we want to get to a place because my whole goal is like, I'm not telling y'all to just go out and have sex then. Okay, that's not it. But we have to understand like, what does God truly, truly say about sex? And how is it a beautiful thing? And how is it that I can come to connect with my sexual desire? What does that look like? What does it look like to understand when I am tempted for things? What is underneath that? A lot of times, if we are tempted through any sort of way with our sexual desire, we shame ourselves. Like, you shouldn't even be thinking that. It's like, okay, wait a second. Like, instead of shaming myself for that, maybe I could just get curious with myself. What's underneath that? Am I tempted right now? Because maybe I just desire connection. Maybe I just desire intimacy of some kind. Like, how can I do that in my life? Maybe that looks like really intimate friendships. Maybe I'm just really lonely. A lot of times our temptations are really just pointing us to a desire and a need under the surface that if we get curious, we can figure out what that need is. But so often we're just chopping it at the top. We're like shaming ourselves and we're not actually getting to the need Mm. and we're not actually working through it. So as we reconstruct, we look at, okay, what is God really saying about sex, my sexual desire, and how do I walk that out in a way that I'm connected to myself, connected to my body, connected to my sexual desire, but I'm also connected to what God desires for my life through abstaining from sex until marriage. And so then you can marry the two and then you walk it out 
this is a journey, of course. You can walk it out more clearly with more wholeness. And then, you know, speaking of dating, then when you're dating somebody, you feel confident to say, these are my boundaries. This is my sexual ethic. And when something arises, you know, you get tempted in the moment, you have something to come back to that's grounded, not just from a headspace or a legalism space, but from a truly wholehearted understanding of I love my body. I love myself. I love God. I want to honor this person. And holistically grounded, you can more confidently and practically walk that out. Mm. So it's a process, my gosh. And I'll just be honest, it's a process I've had to learn and still am practicing, you know, as a single <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out here, Kate. In about, let's see, my daughter's 13. In about five years, I'm just going to set up weekly Zoom calls with you for <laughs> her, and you can just walk her through this and be, Let's her, do it. be her personal little uh, counselor accountability partner. So right, there it is. I just said Girl, that. we're doing that. Yes. Because <laughs> you're like, my girl is going to get all the things. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I look yeah. back and I do, man, I think, again, do I wish a lot of things in my life would have gone differently? Of course, obviously. I also see how God in his goodness and his graciousness has allowed those things that I've walked through to be a part of my story. And I have empathy and compassion and understanding when people are walking through things. Yes. But I just remember feeling like I didn't really understand God's design for sex because I knew I wanted to have sex. Mm -hmm. I knew I enjoyed sex. It felt natural. Yeah. But yet I felt so guilty and shame. So it was constantly a little tug of war for me and that walking through that. And I remember when I started following Jesus and started to really believe the truth that God does have something good for me on the other side of that, Mm -hmm. that I began to understand it a little bit more. But it's hard, especially in the culture that we live in. I mean, it is, we live in a very highly sexualized culture. And so, I mean, I can't think of a TV show I last watched where people weren't having sex. Yeah, girl, it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, I remember when Friends was on when I was younger, they like made fun of someone if they didn't have sex on the first date. Yes. Dating right now has to be so difficult with that being such a cultural norm. Yeah. And you even see it in the Christian church, like to be honest, depending on the city, depending on the person's friend group accountability, like it varies. People's boundaries, quote unquote, varies from Christian to Christian. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you talk with your people that you're coaching about boundaries? Yes. We talk about boundaries, but the way I coach is I try to not do it black and white. Like here, Uh do this, don't do this. You know, I want people to decide and have that conversation with God. What is God speaking to your heart and what your boundaries should be versus me telling them it should be this, you know, like don't kiss. Don't do that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Don't hold hands. Like I would never say that. I would just be like, Hey, if you want to know what I do, I can share what I do, but I don't want you to take that for you, like your blueprint. You need yeah. to connect this to God. I think we've gotten so many messages, Jamie, of like, do this, don't do this, especially in the sexual department. And I think just we're better off having something grounded and rooted in our hearts that we're having that conversation with God, with the people close in our life. And then we're walking that out instead of me being like, you know, black and whiting it. Because that can become so then you're just checking boxes. And exactly. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good good conversation because, you know, we know that God wants our heart and he wants that more than anything. And he wants that for our dating life and for our friendships and for our work, all the things he wants our heart in that. Kate, I'd love it if you just speak to the woman who maybe right now, I'm just thinking of someone that recently told me, I just got my heart broken. Like, Mm. again, and they're feeling that rejection. And again, your specific, you know, people that you coach or is through dating, but can be through anything. I mean, this might be one of the silliest things I've ever said out loud, but I'm parenting teenagers now and sometimes they hurt my heart. And I don't mean that in a joking way. I just mean 
sometimes we feel rejected by people around us. So can you just talk to that person and give them a little bit of hope on the other side of that? Just speaking, especially from a heartbreak standpoint, the funny part about writing this book on rejection or the irony, I should say, is I wrote this book and maybe I had some incognito like deal bargain with God in the back of my head that was like, okay, God, I'm writing this book. So like no more rejection, right? (laughs) Even though my book says rejection will still keep happening. I'm like secretly over here, like God, no more heartbreak. At least no more heartbreak. Okay. Like I can deal with some people not liking me, but no more heartbreak. We're done. I'm done. And I was dating someone in 2020 and I got broken up with in the fall of 2020. So after my manuscript was turned in and I kid you not, Jamie, the day after the breakup, I'm in my bed, my blinds are closed. I'm crying. I did not want to get out of bed. And I opened my phone to my email. I'm like, oh, you know, and there's an email from the publisher that's like, hey, you got to read your manuscript one last time. And I was like, no, what are you talking about? You want me to read my book right now on rejection after I just got rejected? And it was this beautiful moment that made me realize, well, at first I thought it was a terrible moment. I was like, this is God, you're the worst. <laughs> Honestly, a sense of humor, God. <laughs> this yeah. is like, I was like, this is not part of the plan and my bargaining deal with you. <laughs> like, where's the other end of your deal? But I realized that I needed those words and that the things I wrote, I was now getting to encourage myself with, which was the irony of all of that. But I just, I guess for the person going through that right now, I sit here today, I can share all these things and be smiley and joyous, but I don't want you to feel like I don't also feel the weight of the grief and the hardness that comes from feeling a heartbreak because man, it has been a process. That breakup now has been about five months ago. And, you know, I have so much more clarity now, but in the first week, you know, I'm just in the grief. And I'm not asking, I'm trying not to go down this downward spiral of why it happened. It usually doesn't lead to a good place right away. But pressing into the healing, pressing into the pain, lots of crying, lots of yelling, lots of just anger even. And I even found myself in therapy, lots of therapy. But last week I was in my therapy session with my therapist. And I remember she's like, what are we talking about today? I was like, I don't really know. (laughs) And you know, as we get into it, I noticed this anger bubbling up underneath the surface. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so angry at this thing that happened. I'm angry about these things that I found out. Like I'm angry and I shouldn't be angry. Like I should be done being angry. Like this was a while ago. And she's like, Kate, stop. You're angry right now. You're angry today. Your body is processing another layer of the grief and that's okay. You can be angry just today. It's okay. And it was just this normalizing moment, Jamie, for me to say, oh my gosh, even though I'm sitting here talking about rejection, I'm still processing through rejections. Grief is so not linear. And like, we are in this together, you know, is like, I guess that's what I would say to the person listening is these things, they're going to help you and they will help. They'll be a comfort to you. They'll walk you through the process, but it's still not like this easy, crystal clear flowers, lollipops, rainbows, butterflies process. It is hard and grief is messy. And yet there is hope on the other side of that. And that's what I cling to. In the last chapter of my book, I talk about like the ways that you can hopefully grieve through rejection, because I don't believe that going through rejection means I'm just in the pit of despair constantly. 
I believe that there can be the grief and there can be hope and Mm. glimmers of joy. And sometimes I believe in experiencing the depths and the darkest emotions and feelings, we're able to also experience the glimmer and the beauty of the breadth of joy because of the vastness of the emotions we're experiencing. And the going through deep sadness allows you to experience like a sunset in a whole new way. Just so many different things in your life. You're like, wow, I'm so grateful for that because I experienced the depth of hardship. So I'm so grateful for that. Did I answer your question, girl? Because I did. The great thing about it is everyone that's listening has walked through some kind of heartbreak and grief and rejection. Everyone has. I mean, I remember the first time I felt rejection was in kindergarten. I have a very specific story that I'm thinking of and I felt rejection for the first time. And so this is not a concept that nobody can relate to. And Mm -hmm. I also love that your book is so helpful for people, but you're also sitting here talking to us and saying, I just went through this and I'm having to walk through this again. Like it's just going to hit us often because we're humans Mm -hmm. and it's how life is going to be. Kate, I'm thankful for your work and what you're doing to help people. And I know that it's going to bring so much comfort to people. Sometimes just to know I'm not alone. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just going to walk through the process. So thank you for doing that. Okay, Kate, I know you have a conference and you have a new conference that actually you just launched recently. So tell us about uh, your new conferences happening right now this month. Yeah, girl. So it's called Singled Out Conference. I'm so excited about it. So it launched on February 6th, but you can still, all the content is pre-recorded and we have amazing people. I mean, we have Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. Okay. And Uh-oh. I love her. Yeah, girl. She is so sweet, but so many fun people. Lisa Bevere, Chad Beach, uh, Marianne Jordan, uh, Darius Daniels, just incredible. Great Dr. people. Dr. Henry Cloud, love him. Nice, and yeah. him and I talk about whew, at length how to put yourself out there in 2021. So, so much fun. And we got thousands of singles. And what's great is that they're not only, they're meeting each other. So A, for community, but then girl, they're mingling. And that is like, so I get so excited about that. So we've had people, this is our second conference, our first conference. We've even had people literally meet at the conference and are now dating. So... I love that. (laughs) Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m. at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. I would love to know, what are you loving these days? What are you reading? Are you watching anything? Tell me what <laughs> you are into. So, okay, I'm going to give the funny thing off the bat, but I recently got on the board with getting an air fryer and I just have to be honest that I am loving You do love it. it. Okay. Okay. It changed my life, girl. 
But I have one that's also a toaster oven and it's awesome. It's like, it's a really it cute ginormous? Because that's literally what keeps me from it because already I had the Instant Pot and I have to store it in another room. It's so big. Yes, so I, I don't know where too. I would put an air fryer. <laughs> it's great though. I mean, those Brussels, it takes your Brussels sprouts game to a whole new level where you're like, wow, that's a really I good I could heat up my sprout. leftover pizza in it. Yes. You can almost put anything in the air fryer. Like I air fry everything. I'm like, I'm air frying my apples. I'm air frying my salmon. I'm air frying everything. Okay. Good to hear. Okay. You love your air fryer. Okay. What else? Yes. Okay. So a book I've been loving recently, I've been in a really busy season. And so this is just a book that I heard on uh, Brené Brown's podcast and it, the burnout, how to eliminate the stress cycle. Girl, I just read that book right now. It's really good. Who wrote it? It's two sisters and it's Emily Nagowski and Amelia Nagowski. Okay. So Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. I'm not super far into it because I'm already just trying to learn from it by like taking a pause, you know? That's a really good book. Another thing I'm loving and because of COVID, I feel like I've had more freedom to just be more in sweatpants and also not wear as much makeup and just work on my skincare regimen. Okay. So I honestly am like, this is great. It's like, it's like my face is naked all the time. Uh Yeah. I've been loving beauty counter. Okay. Have you gotten on the beauty counter train? I have been using beauty counter for years and years and years. Oh yes. Yes. So what do you love from there? So I love the vitamin C serum is amazing. I use it every day. I think you're supposed to put it on certain spots. I put on my whole face every morning. Girl, everywhere. And I love it. It's so good. I also use, there's this night cream I use. It's called the Tetra Peptide Cream. Okay. It's really good. I use a resurfacing peel about twice a week and it's also at nighttime. Mm -hmm. That's the one with retinol, right? I love that Mm -hmm. one. Yes. I have that one too at night. And so this is my favorite. And I use a like pumping facial oil as well. I also use some of their makeup now. I've just transferred over and I've never been on board with like any one product ever. Yeah. Yeah. I found Beauty Counter and yeah, I love it. It's transformed my skin. I love it as well. I have a, my good friend Noelle's been using it and selling it for years and years and years. And she'd always be like, Jamie, we think about all of our organs except for our skin and it's our biggest organ. And so she got me on the train and I love it. And it's great. So love that beauty counter. Love that beauty counter. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. We'll put in the show notes, your book, your podcast, all of the things. And I'm thankful for the words that you especially spoke to those people at the end who are walking through something hard right now. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jamie. This is so fun, girl. Friends, I love the conversation and I love talking about when we have pain in our life, it doesn't necessarily mean that we want to go through it all over again. We don't want to go back to the hardship, but instead we can recognize that God can bring purpose to our pain. And Kate was talking about that. And I love having conversations about that. And so I hope you were encouraged. If you know someone that will love this conversation, go ahead and share it with them. That's the number one way that people find out about our show. And we'd love for you to share that with them as well. Don't forget, if you're interested in the talk show that we are now producing and releasing called The Jamie Ivey Show, you find it on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. Each week, we're releasing a new show, and I hope that sometime in the next week, you can find 30 minutes to sit down and rest and enjoy yourself and jump into the conversation that I have with my friends. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The show notes are written by Abby Costell. Music is written by Matt Graham, and the whole thing is produced and put together by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey, and I am so grateful 
grateful for the time you spent with us today. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you shared it. We'd love it if you told us. Find me on Instagram and tell me what you love today. Next week on Wednesday, my friend Christy Knuckles joins me. And any conversation with Christy Knuckles is a conversation that I am here for. We talk about rest and we talk about finding the glorious and the mundane. You're going to want to come back next Wednesday. Guys, have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you back here next Wednesday with Christy Knuckles. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.